All right. <laughs> My apologies. Did everyone get a handout? Zach, you have one? Zach's the man. The man. You need one here? Get a bonus. You gave away someone else's, one of the two. All right. The way this is broken up, it's not a guarantee that we're going to go in this order, but we might. Um, all I did with this is I was talking to Kaylee, and she goes, she's like, hey, we do some teaching. And I'm like, I mean, that, yes, but... That sounded incredibly helpful because there's a bazillion things. She's like, how about on the Holy Spirit? That'd be awesome. <laughs> so I sat down and I was like, all right, let's start thinking about the Holy Spirit. And it started here. And I was like, yeah, but the Holy Spirit's here too. Here in Scripture, here. And then I was like, I want to look up every verse that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Scripture. And then I was like, we should go through every verse that's mentioned the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do. Um, not tonight. And it's not every verse. It's a lot of them. It's not reverse. And I was like super blessed and ministered to just going through this. And so I hope you're blessed and ministered to as well. It's like, it made me just want to praise the Lord for the gift of the Holy Spirit after this. I'm like, whoa, you know? So um, we're going to get through what we get through tonight. And then we'll pick up next week where we let, leave off, okay? So um, we're going to go through some parts fast, some parts a little slower. Just throw out questions or comments if they're applicable. Um, during during the time, all right, it's, it's it's casual. All right, so the first place the Holy Spirit's mentioned is in Genesis chapter one, verse two, and uh, it'd be really helpful if some of you guys just oh, just bop in and read that aloud, read these passages aloud when I call them out. That'd be helpful. Um, so would someone read Genesis, first book of the Bible, right, all the way to the beginning? Oh, one two. One two. Okay, boom, right? What's the spirit of God doing here in this verse? Hovering. Hovering, right? This is before creation. It's after this that we see what God does in, in creation, creates heavens and the earth and the sea, all that stuff. Before that starts, the spirit is here active from the very beginning. And I think there's two important things to keep in mind with this. That means if the spirit is before creation and part of creation, that means the Holy Spirit is outside of creation, which means the spirit was not created, but it's existed eternally, right? Spirit is an eternal being with the Father, which we'll see in a minute. So if you're like, was the Holy Spirit created? No, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit's existed eternally, actively part of creating as well uh, from the very beginning. The image of the sea is like chaos, right? It's bringing peace over the sea, and right out of this, boom, the Father's going to speak, and creation comes. Uh, I think it's awesome, all right? All right. Um, I also want to lay a foundation of who the Holy Spirit is before we get into a bunch of the scriptures on the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. It's just that the Holy Spirit is not just a force, not a life force, not a power source. It is He is God, okay? So Genesis 1 talks about Him existing eternally before creation. Go to Acts 5, 1 through 4. Again, I'm going to go through quick through some of these parts. All the way to the New Testament if you're new to the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. No, I'm not going to go through all those. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Yeah, please. But a man named Ananias, his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and brought only a part of it and did the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, 
why did Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back your back keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after the sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Okay, perfect. So right, it interchanges the Holy Spirit and God here. It says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And the later says, why have you lied to God? He's interchanging. And so this is a great verse. I always think that when people are like, does the Holy Spirit, he never says the Holy Spirit is God. Right here, right? He uses them interchangeably to say, God, you lied to God, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Boom. I think it's a clear, clear statement of the Holy Spirit being God. Right. It's the same. It's the same. Totally. Does it make sense? Yeah. All right. One more just about the Holy Spirit being God. Flip to the right, Hebrews 9, 14. Hebrews 9, 14. If someone's got that, you might mind reading that. How much more will the blood of Christ, if you the eternal spirit, offer yourself without the means to God, purify our conscience from good works to serve the living God? So later we're going to get into what the spirit does about cleansing and all that stuff. But the point I just want to hit at the very beginning, that the spirit is eternal. Like that, For me, that's just a big deal. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's God himself manifesting his presence, his power, and all the things he does in our midst and in, within us. And that's a big deal. Questions on any of that? Okay. When you uh, when you hear Holy Spirit, when you think about Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what what comes to your mind? What do you, what do you think of? The Teaching power. Presence. What is that? Presence. Presence. Right on. I used to think of like wisdom, and normally when I don't follow that, like the thought that pops in my head, I just end up making a mistake that would have been helpful to not do it. <laughs> right on. the Holy Spirit, but it's also um, like there is like a manifest, the presence of the Spirit's not just like a whispering force at the top there, but like the actual personhood of someone being with you, especially like Jesus, like inhabited the earth, the physical, he inhabits the earth and the Spirit with us, and so instead of it like this, I mean not that, I mean it's described as breath, but it's also like he is God dwelling here with us, and so just that picture's been 
going to put this together. But, um, versus this, like, force <laughs> that I... It's so good. I think a lot of what you guys are talking about, and it is right on, we're going to get to dive in into that a little bit more. And I think a lot of times we, we're on this side of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Spirit dwells in us, right? He's with us. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I forget, like, the Holy Spirit not only existed before Jesus came, died and rose from the dead, but the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament as well. And I... I was just, I don't know, I don't know what I thought the Holy Spirit was doing in the Old Testament, just chilling out until Jesus came and sent the Spirit. But I want to look through the activity of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, because I think it sets up and paves the way for leading towards Jesus, okay? So, um, you'll see that Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, little section there. We're going to start in Nehemiah, and a lot of these are in order of biblical, the biblical order. Um, but this one, I want to start in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, after... Verses like Samuel, verses like Kings, verses like Chronicles, Ezra, and Nehemiah. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths. You gave them water. Okay. This is totally like not the whole context. Any idea who he's talking about here? The Israelites. Mm-hmm. Israelites in the wilderness. Can you read that one more time? What's, yeah. the, what's, the, what's the Holy Spirit doing for the Israelites in the, in the wilderness? You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold manna from their mouths. You gave them water for their thirst. Okay, I, I don't know about you, but I was like reading this one this week and going, wait, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit somehow is active in teaching the Israelites while they're in the wilderness. Does that blow anyone else's mind? Yeah, but for sure for the Jesus, the Spirit does it as well. But Speak on that a little bit more. In later times, he becomes, um, he's like, walk, like, does he just be ministered to you and walking with the word and the spirit in the wilderness? And the spirit leads him in the wilderness um, for 40 days. Um, instead of 40 years, it's a cool picture of that same thing. Like, the spirit was testing them for 40 days. For years here, um, they were, well, the spirit led Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness. And actually, show what it was supposed to be like when you actually follow his instruction. Right on. And Jesus follows instructions instead of That's right. <laughs> the spirit was still active. They just, yeah. Yeah. Just the spirit did his job. Right way and the wrong way. <laughs> Great connection. So you see the Holy Spirit present there in the midst of all the Israelites, midst of God's people there when they're wandering in the wilderness. Let's look at Psalm 104, 29 through 30. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Right, this goes back a little bit to the image of, of Genesis and of the spirit giving life and being part of creation and the ongoing creation of humanity, right? The, the, the breath that's given, it's given life through the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit is active even in the Old Testament, so part of giving life to people. All right, Isaiah 63, 10 through 14. Keep going to the right. Yeah, they rebelled and grieved. 
What are some of the things you see the Holy Spirit doing here among the Israelites? Guiding, Guiding right? That's really cool. Awesome. All right, let's go now to uh, Haggai 2.5. Can you go on the right to hit it? Right toward the end. Up and I had guys like right. Hey, guy, two five. Right, so he's, he's tying it back to like saying the spirit remains in your midst. The spirit is among you. That's part of the covenant God's made. I'm going to be with you. You're going to be my people. And part of being with you is he's given them the spirit to be in their midst and, and be with them, guide them, all the things we've been talking about, even in the Old Testament prior to Jesus. All right, one more. Zechariah 4.6. Next book over. Okay. So here's the thing that was lighting me up today. It's like, okay, the Holy Spirit is active and present in the Old Testament. We agree with that? Yeah. Doing a lot of different things amongst his people. Mm -hmm. he, he's present. But here's the advantage we have now uh, because of Christ. That, okay, I'm not going to tell you. We're going to read it. <laughs> Um, hey, I gotta make sure I know where it's at. I think it's John 14. Go to John. I know it's in John. Yes, okay. John 14. Uh, 16 and 17. Or 12. No, 16 and 17. Someone read that one out loud. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, 
cannot receive because I neither because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and I will be in you. Here says, I will, will be no, and will be. Okay. Alright. Here's what's here's why it's a big deal. Throughout the Old Testament, Holy Spirit's active among the people, but the Holy Spirit does not dwell inside the people. In Christ, he promises to send the Holy Spirit, and now it's not that we have the Holy Spirit around us in our midst who comes and goes sometimes. The presence of God himself, the one who does all the things we just talked about, actually dwells in us as believers, remains in us as believers. So that means that he's continually with us, doing the things that he says that he's going to do. We receive that, and he walks with us throughout our day, right? You're at the work, you're at school, you're at the store. The Spirit is actively within us, indwelling us, which is a benefit that we have that the Old Testament followers did not have. Make sense? Yes, a question about that. Yeah. Um, should we still like honor? I'll call them sacred spaces nowadays. Then, <clears throat> like we have, like so at camp, there's like God meets us here at camp at the prayer tower. Like that's what someone said last night. And I like rolled my eyes quickly. Of <laughs> like God is in us with us, but should we still like? Um, the age-old traditions that we, people say that all the time of like, like come and encounter God's presence here. Should we still use that language in this? Like if, and then maybe it's a question for later, but I put it out there just as like, that's what it seemed like in the Old Testament, especially like you have the Ark of the Covenant, you have the Tent of David, you have the Tabernacle, you have all these spaces and altars that were set apart. Um, but if we are the temple now, shouldn't our lives be set apart and we should not that language. Should we not use that language anymore? I mean, I, I get people's heart behind it of like, I have great memories at camp too. <laughs> um, I think that's a good question. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yep, please, so Mr. Michael. I, I'm reading a book about the history of that stuff right now. A ton of it came from Constantine. Super pagan. That's my assumption. Yeah. <laughs> when did thou blame, blame Constantine? That's yeah. No, and I, I think you're right, give people's heart, but I think sometimes we, we take in so much of this Old Testament theology prior to Christ that so many things point to Jesus, right? The temple, Jesus is the yeah. fulfillment of the temple now in Him, we are the temple. And so I think there's so many scriptures in the New Testament, like we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells in us. He doesn't dwell in a temple made by human hands. Yeah. He dwells in us. And so this is sacred space because the, we are dwelled by the Holy Spirit. That's why it's sacred space. So. We could be here, we could be in an outhouse outside, which I don't recommend, but like that would be just as sacred because we are in we are we, we are dwelled by the spirit of the living God. That's what makes it yeah. sacred space. Right. And I think what ends up happening though is like you have an encounter in a place, right? Yeah. And like, like whoa, God is here. And God moves and God comes in places, right? But like that's not what makes it sacred. It's sacred because we're we're there, right? right. God's God's showing up in those places. Yeah. I have a question about that. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just, like, I've been to different prayer houses yep. at times, and I've, like, felt a tangible, like, walking in a room. It was like, whoa. Like, what it in, but it's, like, so much intercessory prayer going on. And I'm just wondering, like, is that because the people are there or because there's been nonstop prayer and worship for 15 years straight? 
I, I want to understand. Yeah, I think, I think according to Scripture, I wouldn't say that the place itself is sacred because it's a specific place. I would think it's more because that's where the people have been ministering to the Lord, and the Lord is just dwelling, you know, like really showing up in tangible ways. Yeah. But I think if you like now also make it a sacred space and we put up our stuff, like we got to come here to the sacred space because of this particular place, I think that would be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because people are there worshiping the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's why he's, he's present there. Well, you're going to have to unlock it. Hopefully you know your wife's password. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? what happened there wasn't, I mean, they, they wanted to camp there. They wanted to make that a special place. That's good. And it's, it's, it's not the place itself that's special. It's special. It's special. It's special. You get to watch me. What takes place? Yep. It's special. I think it's about that because, like, if you've ever been to one of those places 20 years later after all the praying stopped, it definitely wasn't a place because you walk in and it's, like, dead. Flat, dead. So. Totally. Well, here, here's a here's a thought with that too, right? In the Old Testament, what had to take place before this the God would come and dwell in the temple? Do you remember? Cleansed. Cleansed. And and like, what? Any, any idea what kind of things would have to take place to cleanse it? Sacrifices. Sacrifices like crazy, right? Yep. Washing it, purifying it, getting it ready. Like, I mean, it's a big deal to set it apart, purify. Because if God was going to come and dwell there, it needed to be pure and holy and set apart. So, what does that make us if he's chosen to dwell within us? Right? So, like, that's wild that he has made us pure, holy, and righteous for him to, for us to be willing, for him to be willing to dwell within us. Um, that is wild, right? And that's nothing that you and I have done. That's only by the blood of Christ that has cleansed us from all our unrighteousness to make us pure and holy so that he would choose to dwell within us. That's his gift to us. That's crazy. Right? So don't think that you've received the Spirit because you're like amazing. Well, a lot of you are amazing, but, that, but <laughs> not all. Not all. Some. I won't, I won't, I'm not going to look at anybody. <laughs> but you've, you've received the Spirit of the living God because the Spirit is a gift given to you by our loving Father. Amen. Right? That, that is it. He does the work of giving, He does the work of cleansing, He does the work of making you holy, He does the work of indwelling, He does the work of continuing to do the work in you. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that. That, like, that is a big deal, right? That is a big deal that God is so gracious to do that with us. All right. Something else in the, New, in the Old Testament you'll see is the Holy Spirit is at work in generality among his people, but the Holy Spirit will come upon certain people at certain times for certain things, right? You'll see them in here for power, for prophecy, for uh, anointing. To, um, so... Um, we're just going to blast through these pretty quick. The reason I want you to show this, all of these, is to show you, like, I'm not making this stuff up. The Holy Spirit is totally active upon the Old Testament. And so we're just going to plow through these. So someone, let's look at Exodus. These go in, in, or, in the order of the books of the Bible, too, so it, it should be easy. Exodus 35, verse 30 through 
Regretting volunteering to read that one. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> All right, what's, what's, what's the Holy Spirit? What do you see the Holy Spirit doing here? What's he, he fills up this guy for what? What purpose? What was it? Making art. Making art. Wait, that's from the Lord? Absolutely. <laughs> the Holy Spirit fills this guy gives wisdom, intelligence, and skill to build the temple, right? The place where God's going to dwell. Okay, this just hit me when you're reading this. This didn't hit me earlier, all right? The, the New Testament comparable to this is the Holy Spirit dwells this guy to build the temple. The Holy Spirit now dwells in us to build up his temple, the church, right? We have the, to do the same thing that we see here. We get the Spirit to build up his church with the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, to edify, to build up, to encourage the church. Holy Spirit, but not one dude. This one dude gets it. Um, all of us get it to do this work. Like, ah, it's crazy. Even though, like, the linens that we will wear are, like, the righteous acts of the saints that are called the Galatians, like the white linens. Right? Yeah. Well, that's, I love that. That's a good call. Okay. Numbers 11, 25 to 29. Just keep going to the right. This is with Moses. Um, Moses with the elders there. Sorry, can you start at 24? I meant 24. Thank you. So Moses went out and reported the Lord's words to him. He gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. And he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, the cloud said, This never happened again. Two men, Eldad and Medad, had stayed behind. All right, Holy Spirit comes upon all these people. What happens? They prophesy. So, right, it's not just Moses who was like, the, oh, the prophet, the, the man. Now, all of a sudden, the Spirit's getting shared. And even that is a prophetic thing where he says, I, I wish, not just for these, but it's for every, all of God's people, which is what will come when Jesus gives the Spirit to the church. We'll all receive it. Fulfillment of this prophecy here. But I think something else to take to take note of, not just they come upon him for a moment, it's it's just a one-time deal. Um, but the two guys that weren't even up on the mountain with him, they prophesy too. The spirit is not limited by space. So it's not like, okay, the spirit is can only be here with us and not with anyone else. Here and can be elsewhere too. Just showing the power of the Holy Spirit 
and not just the spirit comes in and uh, empowers them for a specific work. Make sense? Questions on that? All right. We're going to jump into Judges, and you see like crazy all these uh, folks that the Spirit comes upon them for specific tasks. Hey, guys. All right, someone get that with someone to read that. Do you guys want chairs? Back there. We have, yeah, there's two chairs right here, too. All right, Judges 310. Someone, would someone mind reading that? So this is about Othniel, that he's a judge, spirit comes upon him to enable him to do that work, okay? Comes upon for a specific person, for a specific task, and anointing to set him apart. All right, Judge, Judges 6.34. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the abbeys, right, were called uh, out to follow him. Okay, same thing here. He's a leader. Spirit comes, anoints him to empower him, to set him apart, empower him to do the work that he's supposed to do. Judges eleven twenty nine. And the spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed on to. Of Gilead and from this and from this but of Gilead he passed on to the Ammonites. Beautiful. Same thing, right? Spirit comes upon him to enable him to do this work. I know it's a lot slower to volunteer to read when the words are a little uh, <laughs> cumbersome, right? <laughs> Alright, now we're gonna same thing with Samson here, Judges 13, 25. So you see this really early on with Samson, right? The spirit begins to stir in him to begin to him to be set apart to step into some specific things for the Lord. All right, Judges uh, 14, 19. Actually, I think it's more than 19 and... Yeah, 14, 19, that's good. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. He went down to Ashkelon and struck down the Okay, what did the Spirit enable him to do here? Murders and Philistines, just a few. 30 on 1, Holy Spirit, no contest. Domination. Jump down to 15, it says, do 15, uh, 14 and 15, please. Judges 15, 14, and 15. When he made the Levite of both 
shouted as they met him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him lightly, so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax, and it burned with fire, and his bonds dropped from his hand. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, but he reached out and took it and killed a thousand men. If you thought 30 was impressive, <laughs> no. just a thousand. It's better on. You're right. But I think that shows the power of the Holy Spirit. Power comes upon him. That's what sets him apart and empowers him to do to do this. Um, wild. Wild. Why was why did God want all those people killed again? Because they were the wicked. Yeah. Yeah. Philistines, yeah. The wicked end up mocking God. I mean yeah, the Lord wants to destroy these people because they're so against him. Jawbone of a donkey. Wild. All right, a couple more. First Samuel 10, 10. Keep going to the right. Again, it may feel cumbersome to look up all these verses, but I want you to see with your own eyes the work of the Spirit in the Bible. Okay, it's talking about Saul here. The Spirit comes upon him for this particular time in order to prophesy. You guys know what prophecy is? What it means to prophesy? Someone got a definition of that? Testimony of Jesus and the Spirit of prophecy. Okay. Here, what do you say? You say it's a spokesperson for God sharing the message from the Lord? Good. Uh, the Lord gives him something to say. The Spirit powers him to speak what the Lord's put on the heart to speak. Yeah, can I give an example of Scripture? Please. If you look at verse 6 of chapter 10 of 1 Samuel, um, there's, so there's prophesying, and it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them, return into another man. I don't exactly know what each man to the man entails, um, but um, that was actually prophecy itself that. Right prophesy that you're going to prophesy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. I like that. Right. So just a fun example. That's a great example. <laughs> and then he does. Yeah. All right. I know, I'm a little, a little confused by the Hebrew of turn into another man. I want to think of that a little more, but we'll go faster. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's look at First Samuel sixteen thirteen. Or. Uh, 11.6, sorry. First Samuel 11.6. Right, see this spirit coming upon him here. Okay, Alright, a lot of times you also see the Holy Spirit, it's his term anointing, and that they'll use oil a lot in the Old Testament. It's a sign of setting apart, right? For a specific purpose or uh, role or office. Here he's being set apart for, for king, right? And so the Spirit comes on him, but there's a physical uh, act 
react with that of the anointing with oil, but that's a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming. It's not just an anointing from a person, but the Spirit of God comes as an anointing to set him apart for this task of being king, right? Um, now I want you to read the next verse. I'm going to read verse 14 for me. So he comes on David, however, not good for Saul. So because here the Spirit's talking about the anointing set apart to be king, God does not want Saul to be king anymore. So the uh, Spirit is lifted from him in the anointing, and he's put upon David instead. Um, does that make sense? Which I think that's why you get in the Old Testament. In, uh, actually, let's flip there real quick. It's in Psalm 51. What is in there? It's later. Psalm 51, 10 through 12. This is a psalm that's written of like repentance. It's after David sleeps with Bathsheba. You know, he screws up royally and he's freaking out here um, about losing the Holy Spirit. And so would someone read 10 through 12? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I think sometimes we, uh, the reason why he thought that, because again, the spirit in the Old Testament would come for a, a, a time and then leave, to come to anoint you for a task and leave. And so he's like going, I, I saw what happened to Saul when he, he screwed up, the spirit left him, I don't want the spirit to leave me too. But I think if we read that through the lens, uh, not through the New Testament lens, through Christ, we'll think, okay, if I screw up, the Holy Spirit's going to leave me. And I don't know if, you, if you've experienced that, if you with people like, oh, is the Holy Spirit going to leave me? Have I lost the Holy Spirit, right? Um, well, no, no. Now the Spirit dwells and remains with us. So even when we screwed up, we've already been called holy and set apart to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave us when we screw up. Praise the Lord, right? And so there's not a fear of the Spirit um, now we can quench the spirit, we can resist the spirit, we can, you know, not listen to what the spirit's saying, but it doesn't mean the spirit's left us because the spirit seals us. It's a deposit of our future inheritance that's to come. That doesn't leave us. And that's why I think it's important. Like the reason why he's like, oh, don't leave me, don't leave me, is because for him there's an anointing for the specific task and the spirit hasn't been, hasn't been given to dwell within believers that remains and isn't taken away. Is the spirit with non-believers? Spirit with non-believers? Yeah. Uh, not in a sense of dwelling within. Um, so I'm debating how how, how much to go down that rabbit trail. No. Um, this. I feel like the Spirit of God can use any means he wants, and he's used evil kings to accomplish his purposes. He uses donkeys to accomplish his purposes. Is that Spirit in them? I don't think it's in them, but I think he has the power to yeah. override human will or use their even their own will to do what he wants. Yeah. If that's the case, it's even just for a, a task and it doesn't dwell within you, right? It's the Spirit. Right. We'll see later in Romans, elsewhere, it's the Spirit that testifies with our spirit. We're the, we're the children of God. 
right? It's the spirit that enables us to cry, Abba, Father. It's the spirit in us that enables us to testify Jesus is Lord. So if people don't testify Jesus is Lord, they don't have the spirit of God dwelling in them. So that's an abbreviated answer. That's a good question, though. What uh, what made you decide to ask that question? Well, I It's mean, a good one. I, I just see many people in the world, um, whether you're a believer or not a believer, um, I feel like in different circumstances, people tap into different spirits. Mm-hmm, that's true. Um, so uh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I was just thinking because I know God can use the Holy Spirit in the terms of bringing new believers to Christ. Um, I just don't know when that process occurs. Obviously, it's up to him. Yeah. Um, but I was just thinking, is, is the Spirit in you at all times? Can you just neglect it and push it aside? Um, for when that time comes, or it never does, um, that's our job as believers and disciples to prophesy to other people. But in that moment, when does the Spirit come onto you? When you when you feel like you have that presence of God, um, where it's so real. Obviously, some people never get that feeling, um, but I just feel it in the sensation of when. My my thought process was when. Does the Holy Spirit come on to you when you're an early believer? Is what I was going about. That's a good question. Any thoughts? Spirit comes on you right away, but you don't really tap into the Spirit. I mean, we've been believers for 45, 50 years, but it wasn't until 25 years ago that we really started to. Mm-hmm. So, so to add on to it, I was more thinking about some lukewarm Christian as well. Is a lukewarm where, Christian? Where, where does he move in those it's good. lives? Looks like Michael's got something on his mind. I mean, they have the Holy Spirit. But, uh, if they're truly Christian. Right. Yeah. The, your question about when the Holy Spirit come on later says in Romans, right? Also from scripture real fast. Do you guys know that like in if you take John and Luke, the end right before just goes off, um, before the ascension, um, he breathes in his disciples, right? So he breathes on the, the spirit in them. So the way we've explained it, uh, I think Derek Prince teaches it this way. Um, he says that on Resurrection Sunday, that's when the Spirit was breathed into man, and then on Pentecost Sunday, that's when the Spirit fell on man. And so the breathing of the Spirit was for the sanctification, the resurrection of the new life, yeah. and then the glorification of Jesus was when the Spirit fell from above on Pentecost Sunday. So when the Spirit comes in you, it's upon that salvation. When the Spirit comes on you, that's for the glorification of Jesus at different times. We should be consistently praying for the filling or the, the oncoming of the Holy Spirit. And the way I use that example is like water. Right now, all of us are 80% water, right? The Spirit's in us, okay? Or the water is in us, 
but none of us are currently wet. But if we were to be wet right now, like if someone just was drenched in a shower and they came out, you'd notice the dripping on them. And so I use that same with the way of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's in us upon at salvation, but then it dwells on us at different occasions. The Spirit's poured out on us for a specific task or purpose, um, which is what we see in the Old Testament. They, they didn't have the Spirit in them, but they could have the Spirit on them when you would manifest. Yep. Your question is, the Spirit can then lead you right. into salvation. Um, he can lead you into those things before He indwells you, but the indwelling comes when you Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so it's like the Spirit is, it's like when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? It's right. like the Spirit of the Lord should be the Lordship of Jesus for the indwelling of the Spirit, yeah, right which on. then allows us to go out and then have the gospel of the Spirit poured out on us and then glorify Jesus even more at different times and capacities. Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. Cool. I think, again, it's just like that, Michael's right, too. It's like you have the Spirit, you're mm-hmm. born again, but are you ignoring the Spirit? Are you walking in the fullness of all the offers? And that's part of the going through. It's like, wow, the Holy Spirit does all this stuff. Why wouldn't I ask him to do those things? Why would I limit for so much less? I got one story the Lord's bringing to my mind of just like how he used the Spirit. God is so faithful and kind that I, I just want to make sure it's the Lord. It might just be a tangent. I'll, just, I'll, I'll tell it. Am I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's a tangent. It might be. Um, like, Sometimes I think we disqualify ourselves, right? Because uh, I did something stupid. I looked, you know, uh, said this, looked at porn, did, did whatever your thing might be, right? So it's like, um, but the Spirit of God still dwells within us, and He's still faithful to move. Uh, early on, when I didn't, I understood there was like power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't like when we're getting that when we get to the New Testament. I didn't know that was like a legit thing for most of my life. Um, but. This one time I was talking to a guy, I was just like reminding him who he was in Christ. He professed to be a believer, and all of a sudden a demon manifested. And I'll say it's to sensationalize it. It's a story of like how God is faithful in the spirit. I didn't know what the crap I was doing. I like, I'm like, his eyes turn bright red, and he's getting all angry, and I'm like, I am like, I heard once you said tell to leave in Jesus' name, and I'm like, but did Jesus be uh, leave leave Jesus' uh, name, right? Just like I could barely get it out. And God was so gracious of this Holy Spirit through this guy. Is the Holy Spirit through this guy when he was losing? Would tell me what to do. I think you're supposed to put hands on me. <laughs> I think you're supposed to pray in Jesus' name. I think you're supposed to go get somebody else. And, and, I, and the, Lord, the, the guy got delivered. But I say to say, like, even though the guys had demons harassing him, he still had the Spirit of the Living God that was leading him. And praise God, leading me because I didn't know what the crap I was doing. And so I say to say, like, even if someone's really messed up and far from the Lord, the Spirit is still sealing, sealed them. God's calling us to repentance to get rid of that other crap, right? So, there, there's that. So, so what does that mean? Uh, like in Revelations, it says, you know, beware if you're hot or cold. Like if you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. And like that kind of goes to show, like if you are lukewarm and the spirit is is the spirit within you, then it fits. You get to the gates and spit out because of <laughs> what you were just talking about. Well, I think I think it's dangerous, right, to walk walk in. Warmness, I think, to have this idea like oh, I got the spirit, I'm like I'm seal, I'm good, All right? Peace. I mean, that's what it talks about. Like you will know a tree by its fruit. You will know, like the the fruit of the spirit should be made manifest within us. If we uh, have a received a new heart, as it says in Ezekiel, like receive a new heart and new spirit, I will put within you, 
If that's true, it should manifest a heart for the Lord, a love for the Lord, a love for his word, a love for his commands. That should be made manifest. So if someone's not bearing that, I'm going to go like, yo, bro, like, what's going on, right? Let's yeah, talk exactly. about that. But I think sometimes if there's a period where people are like just kind of, eh, to the Lord, that doesn't mean, oh, spirit's gone. Hope you get the spirit back. It's where the spirit will draw them, draw them back mm-hmm. to the Father. So, good, good question, though. Great question. Correct me if I'm wrong on this too. Maybe I'm more that like so even that passage like Jesus is Lord, pressure from not Jesus Lord. I don't think that's like a verbal statement of like Jesus Lord. I said it. Like that's what I think I've heard that as. I think it's much more of like um, a proclamation of the heart yeah, of yeah. like I've actually made Jesus my Lord and Savior. Versus like it's like a declaration, a statement, not just like a not something I wrote out of paper, like, oh, you see, I'm not a demon. I wrote out, Jesus yeah. Lord, like, you yeah. proof I'm a Christian. I don't think it's like the proving of, are you a Christian? Right. I think it's that you like this in submission to the Lordship of Jesus. Um, that's what that statement is. To my knowledge, maybe yeah. I'm wrong in that. Well, it goes to the Romans, right? If you believe with your. Yeah. If you Which, could, what's that? Rich Gears testimony. So there's that. I love that. that. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I would say, <laughs> you know what? Okay. The, the place where it's like James says, you say you believe. Yeah. It says, if you confess with your mouth, say you believe. You believe in your heart. You say. And James it says, you say you believe. You do good. Even the demons in hell believe. So. To, I, I, I'm, I'm with him on this as far as yeah. When you say it, yeah, anybody could probably just throw it out there. Yeah. Yeah. a good testimony too it's not just like the spirit that's maybe where a spirit comes upon believers from probably the spirit of god the presence of god will come upon non-believers to freak the crap out of them to or to show his love or all these things that reminds me of a testimony uh one one sunday um Miranda, this guy was a practicing witch right and i found out afterwards he was gonna when we were doing community he was gonna come up and like do a curse on i don't even know what that i don't know how you do that but i like, do a curse on a communion right and he was about ready to get up and do it, and the presence of God came upon him, and he, he couldn't get out of his seat. He almost crapped his pants. And he got so freaked out, he goes, who is this guy that has more power than I do? And so was that the Holy Spirit coming on? It was something, the presence of God, whatever you want to call that, came upon him, it wasn't a believer, to get his attention, to wake him up, right. to this guy has got a power, and he's not going to be messed with, and not going to be taunted, and he, and he gives life to the Lord. Um, so I think that does happen at times, too. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's keep going with this. Just see some more. Just a reminder because the Lord put this on my heart. And this is going to be for me, but for anybody else around me, too. This is not just academic. As we hear people say these stories, this is just a testimony of God's faithfulness. We're testifying to what God's doing. So we praise Him. Like the result of what we just said should make our hearts so glad that we follow the not that we nailed down the 
I have something really quick yeah. too. I was just when you were talking about the testimonies and how like God will just like come in and um, sometimes like I mean He always is unconventional, but like making someone's tongue tied or whatever. It's I was reading the parable about the lost sheep the other day, and in like the footnotes it had said like just so it brought up the idea of that the shepherd like didn't really give the sheep a choice, like put it on its shoulders and like brought it back to where it belonged and it just reminded me about how sometimes God in his grace will do that for other people even when it it's like he didn't deserve that at all or like he was so lost and, but he like God literally put that man on his shoulders and was like I'm gonna tie your tongue so <laughs> you have <laughs> just a better awareness of who I am right on right on um oh yeah okay um, the rest of those are the same type of deal. We, don't, we won't go through all those. It's the same thing, right? It comes upon Saul, comes on these different prophets. And, it, and it's interesting. Um, you know what, what struck me today was I, was I was reflecting on all these, like the Spirit comes upon to anoint prophets, priests, and kings. And a couple other people too. And not all just purely kings, but leaders that, were before, that didn't have kings, but judges, right? They were leaders. Prophets, priests, and kings, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's what Jesus came to fulfill all those offices: a prophet, the priest, and the king." And the Spirit came to anoint him in those roles as well. So even those things, this these Old Testament things, the Spirit's coming upon to equip the leaders, to equip the prophets, the message, to equip the priests to go in the intermediaries. That was all a foreshadowing of Jesus, who was the perfect priest, who was the perfect, the greatest prophet, even greater than Moses. It says right in Hebrews, and, and the greatest king. So that for me was just like such a blessing of like, wow, look what God's done even anointing Jesus is the best one of all three of those. What's that? Right. Perfect judge. Yeah, that too. That's so good. So good. All right. I want to look at, um, oh, I guess I did put that in there. I just summarized that. I forgot to put that in there. It just hit me today. Jesus is anointed as well. And so um, let's let's look at Acts ten thirty eight. This is the bottom of page one there. I just think it's interesting. He uses the term anointing because anointing, setting apart for a specific calling, for a purpose. Jesus is anointed well by the power of the Holy Spirit, just like these people were in the Old Testament. But ten thirty eight, Acts ten thirty eight. Actually, before we do that. Any any reflections on the scriptures we've covered so far from the Old Testament? Anything struck stick out to you? Anything surprise you? I'm just wondering, like, with the specific people that he directed to build stuff, like, what did that actually look like? Like, did he hand them all the detailed directions, or was it like, here's the space, use your imagination and I wonder if it was a combo because right, he gives very detailed instructions to Moses on the mountain on how to build the tabernacle. Um, like very specific on a lot of things, but maybe right. 
how many how many panels to use and stuff, where to put the pomegranates and where to sew this thing. And so, but it still says that he had wisdom and the gifts to do it. And so I wonder, I don't know what that looked like in light of that. But a lot of it was pretty spelled out. It still it took a lot of skill to write, right? Craft all that stuff and make yeah, the cherubim. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. gift is singing, right? Dancing. Singing mm -hmm. and dancing. Demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. So why don't you share that with us? <laughs> that's right on. It's good insight. Anyone else? Any other? Just as you reflect the Old Testament, did this surprise you? Like it surprised me how much the Spirit is active in the Old Testament. Yeah. You guys all knew that already. So active. All right, Acts ten thirty eight. Our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Oh, it's so good. Right says explicitly, Jesus is anointed with the Holy Spirit. Power. Um, but Spirit God is calling, you know, God is using the Spirit to say this one is set apart, it's different, it's special. Okay? There's a, I want to skip that part about the prophet, priest, and king. You can look at that on your own. I summarize that briefly. Let's look at Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. This is a prophecy about the coming Messiah, the one who's going to come and rule God's kingdom on, on his behalf. Isaiah 1, 11, 1 through 5. shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall strike the earth with the rod, with the rod of his mouth, and the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be on the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. I'm not trying to get political here, but that sounds like a pretty sweet king. Am I right? What might that look like? It'd be awesome. Right? But someday we will. Right? When our king returns. It's a promise for the one that's going to come and it's going to rule. And it says in verse 2 there, The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is fulfilled in the New Testament with Jesus. If you flip to the verse in there, John 1, 32. Fun connection point you have to join. The seven spirits revelation that Mel talks about. This is a bunch of seven spirits that are mentioned. 
What you say? Sorry. So in Revelation, there's the seven spirits of God, and then there's the seven. So it's like the spirit of. It's like there's seven things. It's the spirit of the Lord, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. And so it's like a full picture, like seven thoughts in the fullness of the seven spirits, the fullness of the spirit when He does. Well, on Jesus. Yeah. What verse is that? That was Isaiah. That was Isaiah. 11. And they're connected to Revelation 4, 3, 4, 4. You don't have to ask that rabbit hole, but it's a fun no, that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. really sweet. I, um, I didn't have time to get into that today either, but I, I was thinking about so many of that sevenfold aspect of the Spirit here in Isaiah 11. You see Paul pulling out in different parts of his letters, right? Spirit of wisdom and revelation. He prays that in Ephesians. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Spirit of, of strength and power. He prays for those things as well. So, I didn't have time to go down that rabbit trail this week, but yeah. <laughs> it is. It's just like the, the scripture is connected with each other, right? The spirit. Yeah, it's awesome. Revelation 4 5. Someone read John 1 32. Right. This is this happens at um, Jesus' baptism. You see slightly different accounts in different ones of the gospel. When Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water. The heavens are ripped open, and the Spirit of God descends on him uh, in bodily form, like like a dove. It comes upon him. It's it's his anointing, and the Spirit of God remains on him. It it, it rests on him. That's what it says right back in Isaiah chapter eleven. The Spirit's going to rest on the one who, who will do these things. And I think this is the same. That prophecy from Isaiah 11 is now on Jesus. The Spirit's come to anoint Jesus to be the one who does these things from Isaiah 11. Finally, the one who fulfilled that promise. We see another example of, of that the Messiah being anointed with the Spirit in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Right now, let's go to Luke chapter four. Right, this with the the Spirit will anoint for those things. You can skip four one; it's good. It's as well you can read on your own. Holy Spirit. Let him. I don't know why I put that in there. Four fourteen through twenty one. Mm-hmm. 
Right, this is a big thing Jesus is doing, right? He now is, the Spirit has come upon him. He goes to the synagogue. It just happens, of course, happens to be this. That was the reading for the day of Isaiah chapter 61. Talking about the Spirit of the Lord is coming to anoint the, uh, the Messiah that they were waiting for, for these particular things, to do these things. And then Jesus just gives the shortest sermon. says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Right? Drop the Torah. Um, <laughs> because... Because that's the promise. The Spirit was going to come. They were going to know that the Messiah was coming when the Spirit came and rested and remained on the Messiah and anointed him for this work. And Jesus now is stepping into those things. Jesus doesn't step into his public ministry until he's anointed by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to go forth to do these things. And now he's not just saying, I'm going to you know, proclaim good news to the poor. He, do, he does that. After this, he goes in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's All, all this stuff, he lives into this because of the power of the Spirit. Is, is anointed up for this work. Thoughts on that? Questions on that? You, don't you imagine what they would be thinking when they'd be sitting there and just said that? It's been fulfilled. We're a little bit man out of shape. Yeah, right? <laughs> so here, here's on to cover a little bit more tonight. Um, is it's, The Spirit was promised to come and anoint the, the, uh, the Messiah, the Jesus was him, but the Holy Spirit was also promised for all of God's people, that it would be shared with God's people. And so let's look at Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. On your offspring, talk about generation to generation. But someone now, let's look at Acts two thirty three. This is when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Acts 233. 
Okay, and I'll read also, what did I say, 37 through 41. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I mean, right, even that promise from that one verse in the Old Testament, like it's not just for this one generation, for your children and your children's children. This gives a lot we want to pour out a spirit generously for generations, and then he does it, and we are now the recipients of that. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, another promise of what the spirit will do from the Old Testament. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of Give you a heart of flesh? Yeah. Some from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. For some reason that doesn't make sense. Heart of stone gives you a heart of flesh. From oh, okay, never mind. You got it. Give you a heart of flesh. Right. Okay. He promised he said there will be a day that that your heart of stone will be placed to give you a heart of flesh. And you will have a new spirit that will be placed within you. A totally new spirit made new. Um, would you mind? You, I'm putting you on the spot. You just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Do you want to share how this verse has impacted your life? Uh, sure. Uh, what are you going to say for all these guys? No. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. I, so Max, Max um, gave his life to the Lord during kind of COVID, during lockdown. And he gave it by reading the word, right? He was just re- <laughs> reading the word, and we talked later about like the spirit speaks through the word. And literally, that's what he would do: he would read the word. The spirit of God would not only speak to him, but started changing his heart. And um, he kept coming back to this verse with me. So, I watched I watched it take place like when we started the first time we met he's he was asking all these questions of, about Christianity why like all the why is evil in the world all this stuff kind of like there was a, a, somewhat of a softness right but a lot of a lot of hardness and I watched every time we'd get together his heart would be softened and he started he's just talking about what God was doing in his own heart and his own life and it, it, we watched before what happens when this is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit just gives you more knowledge, or the Holy Spirit just gives you facts, the gospel. The Holy Spirit literally gives you a new heart. The Holy Spirit literally gives you a new spirit that dwells in you and gives you the ability to obey. And I, I think this is this is one of the things that I think we don't understand this. We, we miss part of the gospel where it becomes, all right, good, I, I've given my life to Jesus, I'm cleansed and I'm made new. This is great. I can go to heaven. And then what we do, if we're not careful, is we go, the Holy Spirit's going to teach me what I need to know, and then I'm going to go do all this good stuff for the Lord, right? I'm going to read the Word. He's going to speak to me, and I need to go do this stuff for the Lord. No, no. 
He now gives you the heart that gives you the ability to even obey the commands of God. It, it's even his own grace. It's what's it said, um, Michael, I'm sure you know. Is it Galatians, is it three? Like, who has bewitched you? The work that's begun by the Spirit in you, like through salvation, you think now you continue that on your own? Right? Mm -hmm. it, it's implying that the same Spirit that gave you a new heart, the same Spirit that revealed the things of Jesus, is the same Spirit that's within uh, in us, giving us the ability to desire, to do, and to will what pleases the Lord. Right, and I think sometimes what ends up happening is we forget that part of the gospel where it's like, okay, I'm saved. Now I got to go try hard to like just apply these things in scripture. It is the same power of the spirit, the same power that transformed a hard heart, the same same power power that enables us now to live in a way that honors and pleases the Lord. That's yeah. wild, right? Yeah. Wild. It also takes the burden of like expectation off of unbelievers as well that they can't actually follow. So it like, takes away that burden for expectation of like, mm -hmm. figure out your life, get your act together, like actually hold them with no ability yeah. to get their act together. I mean, there's like a level of like moral responsibility that we have in the world, but like, yeah. as far as having a life changed towards the gospel, I don't think that happens without the gospel. Yep. So I don't have the expectation of something that I say is done by the Spirit of the Lord in me on someone else and the Spirit of the Lord. I think that gives a lot of freedom to love people who are in sin, That's who are walking right. Right on. That's right on. That's why I think it's a balance, like what you were saying. Like, I think there should be fruit of the spirit, right? There should be fruit that comes out, and and not walking in lukewarmness. We should be growing in faith, and we should be growing in a hunger for the Lord and a hunger for His Word. Like that should be a fruit of a new heart. Like, it, if I treated my wife like garbage, you should question my heart towards her, right? Like, dude, that's that's your wife, for real. My actions should prove my heart towards my wife. But again, those days where I don't have a heart towards my wife, my heart's hard towards my wife, in the flesh is tempting me like, oh, I should do better, I'll try harder. But instead of recognizing, no, 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 it is literally the spirit of the living God that dwells in me. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that dwells within me. Now I can say, I can't do this on my own. I need you, Holy Spirit, to manifest that life of Jesus within me to give me the ability to even love my wife today, right? And I think that's that's where I think we get tripped up in like, uh, I don't, it's not necessarily legalism, right? But it's more like uh, just doing it in our own effort, in our own strength. Me culture. It's a me culture, right? Rather than, and I think it's uh, it, it's sometimes it's good intention, right? It's like we we want you to get better at this, so here's some things for you to try harder at it rather than recognizing our own true dependence on the Lord, like apart from the spirit of the living God, I have no ability to walk in this. Apart from the spirit of the living God, I have no desire to do what is right. Apart from the spirit of the living God that dwells within me, I have no ability to, right? All those, all that stuff that I think, that that's important to understand that we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit that even enables us to walk in a way that honors the Lord. Wow. Yeah. Can we just pray about that for a little bit? Mm -hmm. Let's, let's praise the Lord for that. God, I repent even even this week of those times where I've tried to like uh, please you in my in my own strength, in my own power, in my own ability, God. And I thank you, God, that you have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for generation upon generation for 
for all those years, God, and centuries, you promised to pour out your spirit upon your people, God. And I thank you, God, that you've done that. I thank you that you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that the spirit dwells within us who believe, God, that you've given us a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone, God. That you've done the miracle. Like, we love miracles, God. We love people getting raised from the dead, and we love people that get healed, and we love demons getting cast out. That's all That's all nice, God. But the greatest miracle is you take a hard heart and you make it a hard flesh, God. And you've done that for each one of us. You've done the miraculous work of when we were your enemies and we were against you, God, that you pursued us and gave us even the grace and the ability to love you. Apart from your spirit, we can't even begin to love you, God. It is only by your grace, Lord, that you allow us through the power of your spirit to love you. So we thank you, God, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for anyone, um, just any believers right now that are confused over uh, being walking in obedience and what that looks like and what and the confusion of um, out of your strength or, um, or their own strength or through the Holy Spirit and through the grace that you give us. Will you bring that clarity? Will you bring that restoration, God, in people's mindsets? Um, and I just pray, God, for uh, just the church to to be able to walk in such clarity and truth in this, um, that they may represent freedom the way you intend in restoration and what it looks like to walk in obedience, God, so authentically, um, relying solely on you and your grace. And God, I pray for those people right now who are questioning who you are, questioning and hurt by the church, hurt by what they see as Christianity. And I pray, God, will you just come through, break through those walls, just like you've done to so many of us. And um, we just want to see freedom and clarity 
in them. We want to see you just as Christ and King over their lives. Um, so soften hearts, God. Do a miracle, do a wonder, and soften their hearts. There's this verse that comes to mind. Um, I know sometimes it's like, okay, but if I've been given a new spirit that desires and enables me to live out scripture, a new heart to love God, why, why don't I do that all the time, right? Why, why am I still screwing up and I'm doing dumb crap and like all that? Um, I think that's where the Holy Spirit is in the process of growing us like Christ. And, and this is a verse that comes to mind. Go to 2 Corinthians 3. This is, uh, we'll start in verse 16. It's a comparison when Moses would go up on the mountain to encounter God and be with him. He'd come back down, his face would be glowing, and people would be like freaking out. So they're like, uh, so he put a veil over his face so they wouldn't freak out because his face was glowing. And, um, so it's only uh, three sacred is three sixteen through eighteen. When we turn from the Lord, it's like what Max said when he hit the veil, his heart was lifted, and we now we see and behold him. Like, just as Moses did, his face was glowing. We get to behold the glory and the splendor of the Lord. But it's the Spirit then that gives us this freedom. Uh, and it also says then, it's as we behold the glory of the Lord, then the Spirit does the work of transforming us from one degree of glory to another, um, growing in the image of Christ. And so for me, I think when we were, we were praying, what the Lord brought this to mind, because it's like, though we still screw up, and we do, you're going to still screw up, Max. Um, though we still screw up, though we've been given a new heart, we grow in Christ's likeness. It's like a seed that's been planted within us. The Lord planted the seed, the life of Christ is planted within us, and a the seed then is to grow. But the way it grows isn't by me reading the manual, how do I, how do I do it? And working harder and harder and harder and harder to try to grow. But it says, as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. We're transformed in his likeness as we behold the glory of the Lord. And so I think that's that's what it is for us oftentimes, is recognizing our own weakness, but the Lord's sufficiency in that area. So God, I, I can't do this, but you do it. God, I am lacking self-control with my kids. This is totally hypothetical, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Like, God, but you are perfectly self-controlled. God, would you manifest that in me today? Not looking at my own inadequacy and how do I do it better, but God, would you manifest that in me? Because you dwell in me where you make that self-control grow. And so for me, it's just another reminder of Scripture of as we're walking with the Lord, it's not, not it, it, He will do the work in us as we allow Him to do it. We gaze upon His beauty and splendor. That make sense? Questions about that? Rick, can I just add something the Lord showed up to you a year and a half, two years ago? Please. That answered to this question earlier. One of the things that um, I was reading this whole passage, I won't go into all of it, but um, there was still glory in the law but it's one that faded mm-hmm. this is what I saw like a lot in our culture of West Michigan and beyond but people that would go into the presence of God on either a Sunday morning or a camp or a conference or a book yeah. that they read and they would experience God like they would have a true encounter with God but then they would go back into the law and they were still under the law mm-hmm. and so that glory would fade and they would have to go and wait for their next book, conference, camp, revival, church service, etc., to get back into the presence of God. And so that's where that language of, like, I go to the place to meet God. Like, Moses went up to the mountain, but he came down, that glory faded. And there was still glory in it. There's still glory in the law. So even people that are under the law and in condemnation, there's still glory of God in that. But it, it fades, and it's not the glory of the New Testament. And we have a new glory, a new covenant, um, and the sign of the new covenant is that we grow in those things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fade. Again, it's not immediate perfection. It's not just bam. But it's not this, okay, I can't wait to get back to hear Pastor Britton again. Without him, I'm nothing. You know? Um, praise the Lord, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, like, that's that under the law. We'll go back to the law and it's just a look at, okay, so I've been wrong, so I've been right. I need to go back and have another encounter with God to get right with God again. Yep. Um, instead of, I've been made right with God. And because now of the Spirit. Yeah, because of the Spirit. And I'm growing in relationship with Him because of what He's done through the blood of Jesus. Um, versus that, go up the mountain, down the mountain. Up the mountain, down the mountain. Up the mountain, down the mountain. Um, and I think that's where somebody gets stuck at, is in that ministry of condemnation, mm-hmm. ministry of the law. Where they're like, if I, please, if I do enough, I'll please God. Yeah. And then I come back on the mountain. So that's what please God. And I just think that's a, a cycle that many live in. Yeah. Um, that the Lord actually desires to free us from. Not that again, we're going to be perfect in that, but that we would grow from level to glory. Yeah, so right on. If that makes sense or not. But I just saw that picture for like someone going up the mountain. Yeah. That's up good. the mountain. too. I don't know in some of my heart. I don't know if this is for some of you or just people that you guys are walking with. It's like where is it? Michael talks about spirit testifies with our spirit that we're the children of God. Romans 8 14 Romans 8, 14. No, you guys never turn lights on in here. Do you guys want the lights on? Don't do it. No, no, no. It's so hard. It's rough. 
we did. I noticed we lost this. Oh, so that's that's like a tiny yeah. bit of light. Oh, yeah, that would really help. And then no, we really have like, a lamp there normally. It's, it's just not here right now. I don't. <laughs> I have no idea where it is. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, eight fourteen. I think. Yeah. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And I think the thing that's on my heart tonight as we're talking is like, it's the Spirit that gives us that, right, connects us with the Lord. He says we're able to call him Abba and Father. That means we're adopted. Uh, we're adopted into his family. But like kids, there's a spiritual birth. This happens in John chapter 3, right, with Nicodemus. It's born of the Spirit. But birth requires you coming as a baby and growing into maturity. And it's the Spirit then that's going to cause you to grow as an infant in Christ into greater maturity in Christ. But what ends up happening then is when we screw up, we feel like i got to go back under law and do all these right things to earn my way back to the Lord. And we treat, we forget that we're sons and, or daughters, that that is a secure position with the Father. So we think our standing with the Father is based on our performance today and our, our good work and our good effort. But that's more of a mentality of a slave or a servant. He says, uh, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You've received the son of Adash. He's comparing slavery, slavery to sonship. Yes. Yeah. Where the spirit is, there is freedom. There is freedom. That's right. Love it. I think it's a good thing to settle in our hearts even this week because when we talk about all the things that the spirit does, like listed in the New Testament, like it's it's expanse, right? It's vast. I think it's not only freedom that we have access to, but all this stuff in the spirit that I think sometimes we disqualify ourselves from for the same reasons, you know? It makes me think, right, so often we see this, Jesus talks about this language, Jesus language. it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do you receive a gift? Take, right, by grace. You do nothing. That's, that's the whole point. That's what it means to be a gift. So it's the ongoing gift of the Holy Spirit that then we get screwed up and it's like, I received the gift, but now I gotta, now I gotta pay, pay it back. Nonsense. It's a gift. You don't have to pay back a gift. You receive it, and it's ongoing receiving that gift of the Holy Spirit continuously, right? So... I, that, oh, that's good, man. <laughs> so, 
Questions, comments, good jokes. Yeah, but I think that's my encouragement for you is to hold on to and praise the Lord this week for the fact that like the spirit that we see active at points in the Old Testament. Right? Even they saw power in their midst, they didn't have the Spirit dwelling in them like we do. Right? And if the Spirit would come on people for a season and power and specific things, the Spirit has come upon you and, and it lives within you for the work that God's called you to do. And that's not conditional based on how you perform this week. That's a gift that He's given to you. Mike, you think I'll speak now or forever hold your peace? look ahead to next week if you want. Otherwise, you can come surprised. <laughs> but it's a lot of amazing, amazing, amazing things that the Holy Spirit does for us and in us. What a gift we have in the Holy Spirit. Um, Kayla, you want to pray? Yeah. Close us up? Yeah. Oh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for um, tonight for the willingness of everyone to be here and to learn and, and glean from each other. God, may just everything that we were able to take in today, may that just soak into our minds, into our hearts. May we grow in walking in the spirit more than the flesh, God. Make our flesh weaker. Make our spirit stronger. 
and teach us what it means to abide in the Holy Spirit, to have you and embrace you as our mighty counselor, our perfect father, the prince of peace, um, just our forever God. And may we just take what we're learning and go and multiply it, God. Will you provide opportunity for that? And that we won't just hold it to ourselves, but that we will um, just go and spread it like wildfire as much as we can. So thank you again, God. I, I pray a hedge of protection over all of our minds today. And tonight, uh, may people's sleep be sweet. And um, yeah, just guide us throughout the week, God. And we're excited for what the weeks to come hold. Thank you again, Lord. We love you so much. And in Jesus' name, amen. Oh.